Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, I'm Hugo Monnier and welcome to the Rugby Tonight podcast. This season, we've got a brand new look, as well as all the best bits of my studio show, including exclusive interviews with the likes of Lion Superstar, Maritoja. We'll also be recording exclusive pod with two of the Rugby Tonight team, analysing all the biggest stories in the game. And we'll be looking ahead to this weekend's matches from the Viva Premiership and beyond. And this week, I'm joined by none other than Mr Ben Kay, who enjoyed three fabulous weeks in New Zealand down under covering the Lions Tour. How was it? Oh, terrible. Don't tell them why. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, the New Zealand such a welcoming country. I think the fact that they haven't got enough hotel rooms and everyone has to pitch in and just made it just an awesome atmosphere. And the amount of Lions fans that travelled down there, it was a lot of fun. We saw you having a lot of fun on stage before the games. Um, what was the atmosphere like in the stadium if it was that hype? And uh, genuinely, I know this gets banded around and stuff. I have never seen an atmosphere like it at a rugby game. It was, you know, that when, when you go to watch the, the big European football nights and things, it was akin to that. That I think because people had invested so much themselves to get down there, people had spent their life savings getting down there, they were going to have a good time. New Zealand was a really welcoming place. And, um, yeah, I've, just, I've never heard an atmosphere like it. Hairs on the back of the neck stuff. That's brilliant. And right before we get into it, here's a little tease of what you can expect on this week's podcast. It's... As well as England's women's star Natasha Hunt, Lions wing duo Jack Noll and Anthony Watson, as well as Bath new boy Freddie Burns and his clubmate Matt Banahan, as well as London Irish director of rugby Nick Kennedy, all involved. You know, we put ourselves in a position to win the game with a minute to go, and we unfortunately messed that up. All of a sudden, the Kiwis walk in with their medals around their necks. <laughs> It was, it was quite a difficult one to look at, I'm not going to lie to you. Maybe Hayden Thomas from the club, because he quite often likes to chuck himself into, you know, bobbing moors for the night and just sleep out there by himself. So he's a bit like a, like a Bear Grylls or something. You know, I might get that, that call one day and, and get back in the England shirt, which would mean a great deal. But you know, for me, it's just enjoying my day to day and my week to week, which will be Bath Rugby. For us, look, we, we want to win the Premiership. Uh, every team here today wants to win the Premiership. It's, it's why we do it. Well, a brand new season involves some brand new players. There's been some massive signings in the Premiership. Let's look at Liam Williams, the likes of James O'Connor, George Ford, Freddie Burns, switching clubs. But for you, Ben, who's recruited the best? I think it's difficult to say who's recruited the best because everyone's recruited for different purposes. I think Leicester, on the face of it, have probably got the most star names coming in. Maybe Saracens might disagree with that, but Saracens have done what they've always done, been prudent. Not too many people coming in to upset the the balance of the squad, but but real high quality in, in uh, Williams, Callum Clark, Will Skelton coming back. He already knows the place. So that's, a, that's, that's great for Saracens. Leicester, they feel that... That, that something special is brewing. They've obviously, Matt Tamur was there last year, but played one, one and a half games, and that was it. So he's almost like a new signing. They've got Johnny May. Um, they've also uh, got uh, the, the two Ford brothers coming in. I think as a pair, that's quite important because obviously um, uh, George Ford is going to go away with England. So that's big. But then you look at teams that have been more mid-table, and, and I think that Newcastle have, have 
really recruited well. Um, Dean Richards sort of doing all that little manipulation that he does and, and tinkering that he does. And then Sale as well. Sale had a bit of a disappointment after the season before last year. And perhaps with Danny Cipriani gone, that was the, the spark that was miss, missing in Fafter Clerk and um, James O'Connor, who we hear might well play 10 for them. Uh, that's a pretty exciting uh, combination. Isn't it great to be in a situation where the premiership is so strong that we can attract some of the best players from around the world to come and play in, for me, what I think to be the most competitive league? I think last year was was so exciting as, as a and not just because you know the the quality of the the opposition going head to head, but the the way that the game actually didn't go like Super Rugby. There was still that Premiership, um, you know, the, the old traditional Premiership skills that yeah. that we want and we want to keep in. We don't want to make it like basketball. But then you had the likes of Wasps tearing it up, <laughs> extra Chiefs as well. Yep. You know, the, it, we saw a shift from it being a solely whoever's got the best defence to yeah, actually... Yeah. You need the best attack to win this now, and then you have to combine it with decent defence. Well, let's look at the top of the table. Obviously, won by Exeter Chiefs last year, but who will be tied to contenders this year for you? I think the, the, the same old suspects will be there. I think the top four from last year uh, will, will be knocking on the door again. Wasps will be disappointed with how their season finished with their you know, flying start and then how they carried it on through the season. Saracens will be hurting after losing in the final. Do, do they feel they took their eye off the ball with the European endeavour a couple of weeks before? So they'll be wanting to make sure that you know, for them, it would be a disaster to have more than you know one season without being champions. So they will want to come back in. I think Leicester will compete. I, yeah. I think the signs of them in pre-season has been good. There's a, there's a great feeling about the place uh, with with uh, Matt O'Connor coming in, um, and then you know slightly left field. You always get one of these bolters that comes into the top four. I don't think they'll be right there up at the top, but certainly as as we mentioned before, Newcastle or Sale could well be uh, knocking on the door. That's it. Well, Newcastle's sale were kind of jostling about in that mid-table. It's probably the most competitive area of the Premiership. The top four seems to be fairly locked off quite early on, but who'll be fighting it out for those European spaces? Again, it's so difficult to say at this stage. You know, the, the uh, pre-season games, as, as we know, mean, mean nothing. Yep. But I, I think there is almost more of a separation. The, the worry for some of the teams that have traditionally been down at the bottom is how well can they start? Because if they don't start well, the likes of Worcester Warriors... It's going to be a, a long, long season. London Irish as well coming back in. They haven't got time to get used to playing back in the Premiership. And I think that's why they've made quite a lot of signings that are maybe guys coming towards the end of their career, but with a lot of Premiership experience who've come straight from a Premiership team that they, they don't have that transition time to, to get back used to the, the pace and intensity of Premiership rugby. If those two teams uh, have, a, have a poor start, I think they're going to get separated from a group then. And, and if that happens, those teams can actually be more competitive because they're not worried about the drop. We've seen it before. When teams get into that mid-table with a bit of a gap between the relegation zone, actually, we, we see them have great seasons. So it, it's too difficult to call in the mid-table. OK, well, let's move to the bottom for London Irish. Um, odds on favourites to go down this season. Do you think their squad's strong enough to be able to stay in the Premiership? Um, it, I, I think they, they can. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really difficult for them. Um, they, 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 they've brought in, um, you know, a, a mixture of those players that, that have that experience. They've, they've got the, uh, the giant <laughs> coming in in Langer, um, who they're hoping will give them a bit of the fireworks, a bit of that physicality and, and, um, you know, fear that give, providing fear for the opposition, um, but I, I, I do worry slightly about them, particularly when you sort of compare them with, with Worcester and, and Worcester just have that experience. And they, they, they start. There were times last year when Worcester were good, though Worcester have lost a couple of players that are going to dent them this year. Paolo Ruskin's a, a big one there. Yeah, it's a massive loss. I, I went and watched London Irish play a couple of times this um, pre-season. The biggest thing for me is that their squad size or the quality within that squad's not as great as the other team. So... Their injury rate's got to be low. They've got to keep the players like Yuna Langer's fit. Um, I think Tommy Bell at 15 is going to be a big player for them. Alex Lewington on the right wing, another one. So if they can keep the likes of those guys fit, then they've got a chance. Petrus Duplessis going there. He's got a, 
you know, he's used to probably playing 10, 15 games a season at Saracens. Well, it's probably going to have to up to 2025. 20, Does he have the legs in what is an aging body? So it's going to be really competitive. Um, just getting a feeling, uh, let's get, switch to Gloucester just a little bit. I think they finished ninth, ninth, eighth, ninth the last four seasons. Are they going to be a bottom four club this year? Or are they going to actually make that step up and be challenging for Europe and potentially further? I, I worry a little bit about Gloucester. And some of that's down to... You, you just go on social media and you, yeah. you see what their own fans are saying about it. There's not that confidence about that pl- about the place. I think losing Johnny May wa- was a, a big loss for them, not necessarily on the field, but just in terms of the psychology of the place. Um, though Ed Slater has come in to, to do a job where they are lacking. They've got loads of exciting backs, but they haven't over the past few years competed f- physically enough and again on the same note they've brought in a couple of props in, in Fraser Balmain and, and Ruskin as well from, from Worcester they've spent big there they, they've probably they've, yeah absolutely they've probably overspent on those front row players which tells you where the main focus is you know other teams couldn't compete to hold on to them Leicester would have kept Fraser Balmain Worcester I'm sure would have kept Ruskin if they could so they've obviously spent big on there they need to sort that scrum out make sure that's a, a bedrock for them I think Ackerman is is huge because having not got Ferns who they thought they had that would have been a huge psychological blow if they hadn't replaced someone with the class of Ackerman coming in his dad though how long is it going to take him to get up to speed as a premiership coach because that's what we've seen with a lot of these super rugby coaches that have come into the premiership Tom Coventry, it, it, Tom Coventry exactly and he said what he couldn't get over was it's different tactics every week in the super rugby everyone's trying to play the same <laughs> brand of rugby yeah. in the premiership you play one way one week, you play another the next week. So it's going to be a huge learning curve for him as well. But having said that, he's not coming in as the, the sole head man. He's got Humphreys there to, to help him manage that transition. Yeah, OK. I'm going to put you on the spot slightly here, Ben. Um, who's going to be in the Premiership final? Who's going to win it? And who's your money on to get relegated? <laughs> um, <laughs> Right, I'll go with relegated first, London okay. Irish. Okay. Uh, just because you'd always put money probably on the the team coming up. Yeah. Um, premiership final. Uh, again, far too early to call, and people will say I'm being biased, but I think Leicester will be oh, there. Oh, you're biased. I'm biased. <laughs> um, and uh, I just I think really interesting whether Exeter can match those highs again or whether they have that second season syndrome I just think Saracens will will come back and uh, they'll it may be a Saracens Leicester final um, and uh, again because you tend to play better when you've already had a final and a lot of these Leicester players haven't had a final for a long time I'll, I'll say Saracens for now I completely agree with you I personally think and I'm not biased and I'm not saying you are either but Leicester lost three coaches last year. They had a lot of off-field distractions. Um, Tom Young's a big story in that. Um, but to get to within 90 seconds of being in the final, despite so many things been turbulent in and around you, I think they'll look at it, actually, and they'll look at it in a positive light. If we can compete to that level with a brand-new coach coming in and changing things in such a short period of time, what can we do when we've got a full pre-season? As you've already mentioned, Matt Tamura, brand-new sign, will feel like it. Manu will feel like it. Freddie Burns coming in. Johnny May, who, to my money... He could be top try scorer in the Premiership, depending on the amount of games he plays. I think emotionally they're in the best place. And as you said with Saracens, they had a pretty good season by most people's standard. Winning the European Cup for a second time is pretty sweet. But when you're as competitive as, uh, as they are and used to winning trophies like they are, they'd have been gutted to have not been in a Premiership final. So I think those two and looking at their squads allied with their mental state should should be in the final. But not not balls been kicked yet. I guess we'll wait and see. Okay, well, we'll see if you're right come the end of the season. Now, our man Craig Doyle caught up with London Irish's Director of Rugby, Nick Kennedy, at the Premiership launch to talk about his new role and the Exiles' prospects for the new season. Here's the best bits. So what's your... What's your playing ethos going to be? Has there been a change in tack? Because London Irish were always the expansive risk takers. I think back to the days of, of Justin Bishop and Conor O'Shea and Niall Woods. It was play, play, play. Um, Topsy is still here. He likes to play rugby that way. How do you think the team are going to play it? We're going we're gonna to build slowly. So last pre-season, we didn't do much work on our attack at all. It was all about getting our building box in place. 
with our with our exits, with our defence, with our set piece. This pre-season, we, we time everything that we do in our training. So this on, on on a curve, we are doing a little bit more attack now, but still our building blocks are our set piece and our defence. So whilst we, we do want to play some some attractive, expansive rugby in the right areas and at the right times, for us it's still about a slow build. I'd imagine next pre-season it will be even more attack. But at the moment, that this is where we're putting our training time into. Are you going to stay up? Yes, yes. I think we've we've got such a, a brilliant group of players that work extremely hard for each other. Um, passionate London Irish guys now. E e even the new ones that um, a Darren Darajuk, who's probably been here the least time. In a short period of time, I believe our, our players have been great at integrating the new guys and, and making them feel welcome, making them feel part of what we do. Um, we do things a little bit differently, I like to believe. I've, personally, I've been in quite a few different environments in France, in Harlequins, a few different head coaches at my time, at my 13 years at London Irish. Um, you know, you try and take, take the best bits and, and try and build something special. 13 years at London Irish, and you've hit on something here that personally, as a, I'll admit, a London Irish fan is very important, the culture of this rugby club. And I think that possibly waned a little bit over the last few years. And maybe it's the geography of where, where, where you play your rugby from at the Medeski Stadium. There are plans, I hear, a closer move, move closer to town and maybe just getting those Irish expats back in the stands again. Staying up is very important. It's integral to that long-term plan, isn't it? Yes, it is. And for us, look, we, we want to win the Premiership. Uh, every team here today wants to win the Premiership. It's, it's why we do it. We want to experience those days looking at Rob and his team lift the trophy. You know, that's what it's all about for me. That's what we want to do. But we're not naive enough to think, you know, we got relegated last year. We were the worst team in the league. It doesn't change in a year. You don't suddenly become the best team. It, it takes time because it, you're dealing with the very best of the best. So it took Rob seven, eight years. And, you know, these things do take time. So the building box in place is, is crucial. And that's not just our, our set piece and our defence. It's the off-field, our analysis team, our medical team, our S&C team. We believe that everything is in place. And now it's just slowly building our game, getting better and better year on year. To me about some of the young guys coming through, we should we should look forward to seeing in action. So Big Joe, Big Joe Cognacega, um, you know from schoolboy to England squad, Eddie Jones and Paul Gustard, Neil Hatley's, you know, really saw a gem in, in Joe as we did when he was 16 years old. Um, so I think he's going to be a, a future star for us. He's currently 115 kilograms, needs to slim down a little bit, but he has been injured. Um, very fast. But the thing about Joe is he, he's London Irish. He, he works extremely hard on his game. He wants to improve. He wants to get better every day. Stays out, trains as much as possible. So, um, you know, with an attitude like that, he, he's only going one way. And then we've got, you know, cracking academy boys coming through the system at 16s, 18s. Our senior academy gets to train with us every day, everything we do. So, uh, a Jacob Atkins training with Jimmy Marshall every day, learning from him. Uh, a Matt Williams or a Tom Parton training now with Nalanga, you know, he's an unbelievable try scorer. Just learning from these players is only going to see them in good stead. Describe the emotions ahead of kickoff, a brand new Premiership season and a, and a return to the Premiership. Just for yourself and the fans and the club and what you're experiencing around you. We're all really excited. We can't wait. We can't wait to, to kick off and get going. Um, you never really know where you're at after a pre-season. And if you think we're, we're actually a year and a pre-season out of the Premiership, um, you know, we're, we're curious. We're curious as to what the league's like now. Um, we're excited. We're, we're very ambitious. And uh, we can't wait to get going. And great to see you do it all with a smile on your face as ever, Nick. Thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers. Before we move on to our prediction, here's a great interview of Anthony Watson and Jack Noll, who we caught up with at the Aviva Premiership launch. This is absolutely gold. The team certainly won't thank him for it. Who's the hardest tackler on the team? Uh, Courtney Laws. Yeah, Courtney Laws, I think you'll give it to him. Quickest player in the squad? Um, Johnny May and at Bath. the Bath. Rocco. It's a mess of Rocco to get James Short at the club, he is absolutely rapid. Uh, who's always the last in the pub? Well, <laughs> this guy. Or, um, or again, Semester Okadaguni. Um, probably myself, and I'm always with Luke Cow and Nicky. Oh, God. <laughs> Terrible combination. How long do you stay at Tim? I'm, I'm gone pretty early doors, especially when these guys start to get going, I'm out. <laughs> these guys are out of control. <laughs>
who's the hardest, toughest player in this world? Um, toughest player? I'd probably say Billy Vunapola and at our place, Francois Lowe. Yeah, Billy V uh, and probably Julian Salvi because you can tell by the state of his face how many stitches and cuts he's had and yeah, he's looking pretty hanging at the moment, so Julian. Hanging? Oh, come on. Well, he That's is. Harsh. That's his nickname, hanging. <laughs> Strongest player? Um, I'd love to say love James to. Haskell, but I can't do that. Um, so yeah, I'll go Carl Sinclair. Yeah, Sink. I think, how much was he? I think he was... Benching at 150 on tour, so fair play to him. There are a lot of competitions, people trying to get at the big end. This guy loves weights, but. Um, but they no. try and compete. No, no competition. No, no, no one's beating that. Who's the gym bunny? This guy. The what? Gym bunny? Yeah. Slady. <laughs> this guy loves weights. 10 tens, anything to try and put some, some size on him. Ready for the summer 2018. <laughs> Perhaps already. Who's the biggest rugby nerd? Carl Sinclair has watched every single Lions documentary ever. Yeah, he comes out with some weird quotes, doesn't he? Uh, at the club, probably Henry Slade. He's just a bit of an awe, isn't he? Who has uh, the best rugby brain? Um, at our place, I'd probably say Rhys Priestland. Um, he's very smart with rugby. We're all pretty dumb down next there, so uh, yeah, <laughs> probably no one. <laughs> Slady, bro, come on. Nah, Slady's actually very dumb. <laughs> Damn. You said he's a Norris. Yeah, but Norris, rugby Norris, he likes it, but he doesn't know too much. Oh, okay. It's not very street smart. Okay. Getting some stick today. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the teacher's pet? Jack Noel. Genuine? <laughs> Answer, uh, ask yeah, him again. Um, at Bath, who's the teacher's pet? Uh, Kane Palmer Newport. Um, and at England, James Haskell. Yeah, James Haskell. Um, at the club, I'd probably have to say someone like Carl Rimmer, prop. He's always just sat at the front. Rob likes to get him to do little tasks for him. Outside of rugby, which players are good at other sports? Um, Jonathan Joseph's pretty good at football. Um, Henry Thomas is good at cricket. Uh, that's about it, really. Are you good at any other books? Unfortunately, not. Um, I can just run. That's about it. Maybe I could do athletics, but that's about it. Uh, Phil Dolman's pretty good at golf. Um, James oh, Michele Campinaro is pretty good surfer, to be fair to him. But he's got he's got the looks, hasn't he? So he kind of gets away with it. Tell us something about yourself that we might not know. I have a chemistry A-level. That's a lie. Come <laughs> on, bro. He's just point blank lying to me. <laughs> I'm very good at telling lies. <laughs> Chat rubbish, bro. <laughs> it's true. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not true. Go on, what's yours, Jack? Oh, what was the question? Tell us something about yourself you might not know. You know pretty much. What do you think? He has Luke Cow and Dickie's surname tattooed on him. There's a good story behind it. Yeah, but one I can't tell you. <laughs> no comment. No. Genuine, I cannot tell you. <laughs> You're trapped on a desert island for a year with one person. Who do you pick and why? Oh, Jesus Christ. Nolz, you'd be up there, actually. He's got that, that survivor's instinct yeah. and he likes living rugged out in extra and that, so... Um, who else would I pick? At the club, I'd probably choose someone like Matt Garvey just because he's... I reckon he knows his way around that kind of situation. I'd be useless though, so he'd have to drag me along. You'd be terrible. Yeah. Um, maybe Hayden Thomas from the club, because he quite often likes to chuck himself into, you know, bobbing moors for the night and just sleep out there by himself. So he's a bit like a like a bear grows or something. Why would you ever do that? Because he loves it. Mate. He goes out with his rifle and stuff. <laughs> and how would you two get on together? Well, on a desert island. I think we'd be alright, wouldn't we? Yeah, we'd, we'd, be, we'd be sweet. We'd be very chilled. We'd probably die after. About yeah, we'd we'll probably die a couple of days because none of us could be able to do anything. Cheers. So that, as you said, it's one of those moments, is it, where you think it's a good idea. You sat next to your mate who's chivying you along and then you realise you're going to go home and face your mates because they were pretty damning, weren't they? Yeah, they absolutely rinsed all of their teammates. I mean, Jack, fair play. I mean, they won the Premiership last year, but he won't have many friends left because he's basically called them all thick and uh, do weird stuff. Like, I mean, camping's not weird, surely. Mind you, well, yeah, it's not. It's not, it's not <laughs> as weird as having your teammates 
name tattooed on your body. <laughs> what is he yeah. thinking? Do you know what? He's not even o- the best, is it? Yeah, he smoothed Dickie. over that pretty quick. <laughs> However, the one thing about Hayden Thomas is not a problem with camping, but why you just go out on your own with a rifle? Like, w- w- <laughs> like what are you doing? Like, I, I don't mind just going to cinema on my own or whatever, but yeah, camping with your, with a rifle's uh, just a little bit dodgy. Well, we had, uh, we had Frank Tornair at our place. He went down to Perpignan and Perry Freshwater said that uh, he went missing for about six weeks, didn't turn <laughs> up to trading. And then one day he just drove in on a Harley Davidson, shot his Magnum into the air six times and disappeared again for another week, then came back and everyone was too scared to say anything. Are you joking? Joining Anthony Watson at Bath this season will of course be Freddie Burns and when he made his switch from Leicester Ties this summer he invited us along to help with his move west Here's the best bits of our chat including a cameo from big Matt Banahan Yeah, it means a lot I think it's actually still um, quite surreal sat here now sort of doing an interview and and looking out at the wreck knowing it's going to be my home ground Um, Like I said, for me there's that sort of romance of it being my hometown club also sort of combined with like a huge excitement and ambition to 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 take the club somewhere and actually do something um you know win something with the club so you know it's um yes it's it's surreal but it's it's an exciting time that lies ahead you know i was in the academy guys like guy mercer um matt banahan um played at gloucester with with stukey and and sean knight and obviously mikey van vuren was at leicester for a little bit so there's there's a few boys around. I still have, I'm still quite good mates. I had a few pints on Sunday with, with, with Matt Perry, um, the old Bath fullback. So I've got a few old friends, old and new, at Bath, which is which is always nice and helps me settle in. I think I'm at a stage in my career now where I've I've developed into the player that I am. I, I kind of know who I am now. Um, especially that last six months at Leicester, I felt like I really felt comfortable in in how I was going to approach the game and 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 what I am as a player. And I think that's. That's key. I still think I can get better. I think as a player, you always get better. You don't stop learning. But um, yeah, I definitely feel like it's perfect timing for both myself and the club to sort of pull together and hopefully achieve some good things. Uh, like I said, I've been happy with my form, you know, for the last sort of 18 months. I think obviously the last six months for, for Leicester went went really well. Um, but for me now, the I've huge ambition to play for England. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, for me, it's all about club now. I want to play well for Bath. If I'm playing well week in, week out here for Bath, with your likes of JJ and, and Ant Watson and, and those boys that are in and around the England squad, then hopefully you know, I might get that, that call one day and, and get back in the England shirt, which would mean a great deal. But you know, for me, it's just enjoying my day-to-day and my week-to-week, which will be Bath Rugby. It could achieve a lot. I think, um, obviously, season before last, they had a, a very tough season and I'm sort of down near, near the bottom of the... After obviously the year they had before, it was a bit of a shock, and you know Todd and the, and the rest of the coaching staff have come in and, and sort of started rebuilding the squad, um, and obviously just missed out on, on top four last year. So hopefully we just continue that and, and keep progressing. And you know, for me, the main thing is the, the, the core squad of players is, is the same. It's not a it's not a team in transition. It's a team that knows where it wants to go. It's a team that has players that are capable of taking it where it wants to go, and it's just about combining that and. You know, hopefully, just achieving something great together. Obviously, people who sign for the club, you want them to know that they want to play for the club. Um, being Bath's for uh, Freddie's first club, you know he wants to be here. Um, his family's from here; it's where he wants to be, and it's a, it's good to have him back. And you see the, the the pride that comes from him, knowing that he's signed here and he's excited to get back out here. He's only going to sort of come through the squad um, and players that hopefully want to play at the weekends as well. The way we want to play, obviously, last year we we showed a few games how we wanted to play. Um, and I think it will suit how Freddie wants to uh, to come out and show his skills. Um, and with Reese and Freddie sort of rotating or playing up with each other at 10-12, I think it will benefit both of them to excel of how they want to play and hopefully push them both again at international status. If you look at the bigger picture, um, we follow, we finished well down the league the, the year before that. Um, so coming back, being fifth in the league, challenging for the top four, semi-final of Europe, it's, it, that was a big step for us. Um, to go on, you can't go from where we were the year before to back in top four, challenging. You look at the team we won at Exeter, Wasps, they've built over three or four years consistently put being up there and challenging. So we've now got, we now know what it takes and with people like Freddie coming in and other signings, it's just going to strengthen the bolster of the squad and hopefully lift us. The majority of the squad are still here from last year.
um, and it will give us an opportunity to go in. And if, like we said, if he can keep slipping these passes out the back of his hand and kicking his goals, hopefully we'll be back up there. I think that's the thing for me as well, is the fact that the club's kept the core group of players together. It's not wholesale changes, it's not, you know, it's not a club going through transition, it's a club that has got a core group of players that they're trying to take forward, that they see developing into you know, a Premiership winning team. And for me, just to come in with a couple of other signings is, is nice to try and get there and you know, try and bolster the team and, and add a little bit more uh, probably experience now in my older age and you know, just a little bit more um, stability and depth to the squad. I think, like you said, it, you, you just want to put yourself in the shop window. Um, I think how he performed last year um, was obviously what how Freddie wanted to play um, since his last England in England matches. So you keep knocking on the door for so long, you're, you're going to get the, the, get a chance. Um, obviously, at the moment, you, everybody knows that England at the moment are sort of gifted with 10, 12s in the world. So all you can do is keep performing week in, week out. Um, and when one of them slip up or get injured, you're the next one there. So he showed all last year that his form was sort of consistent throughout the whole season and if he can carry that into us for us this year I'm sure he'll be there and thereabouts. I think competition's good I mean I'm going to go straight from competing with Owen Williams to, to competing to, with another Welsh boy in, in Rhys Priestland who's, who's vastly experienced and proved last year that he's, a, he's still a quality player so you know I think competition is just there now when it, if you want to play Premiership Rugby you're going to be competing with, with some top players so you know for me I'll be excited to, to compete with Rhys and hopefully continue the form that I finished last season on. And I feel like I'm now at an age where I've, I've matured, I now know myself as a player, I've gone through the, the sort of um, trial and error phase of, of trying to sort of maybe change my game and play a different style and you know, it didn't really suit me but since then I've, you know, last back end of last year I felt I performed well um, and I'll always be a player who lives and dies by the sword so I'll have a crack and hopefully have a little bit of a free reign to do so too. When Leicester was an option for me to, to continue there, obviously I, I did look at other options and there was options for me to go abroad and, and, and you know, play somewhere else. But for me, the, the want and desire to, to win a premiership is, is there. And, and again, that's the reason why I came to Bath, because I believe there's a, a squad there and a coaching setup and a club there that's, that's striving for success. So now I want to be a part of that and no better place to do it than at my hometown club. Right, so if you fancy yourself as a bit of a pundit, you can play along with the new BT Sport Predictor game for free, where you can guess the scores from each weekend's Aviva Premiership matches. For more details and full terms and conditions, go to btsport.com forward slash predictor. So Friday night's game is the first game in the season, live on BT Sport 1 4K UHD. Gloucester against Exeter, who are you going for? I think Gloucester always start the season big, but I think they just might run out of gas, so I'm going to go for Exeter. OK, I'm in agreement with you. Newcastle-Worcester, Newcastle at home? Newcastle, because they're at home, um, but Worcester won't be phased by playing on their pitch. That's it. Northampton recruited really well in the off-season, as have Saracens, and that game's live on Saturday, 1.30 on BT Sport 1. Saracens at home? Could be an upset, but you'd be mad to back, back, uh, back against Saracens at home, yeah. Worcester losing finals from last year, looking decent in pre-season, up against Sale at home? I think it'll be a massive high scorer but I think Wasps will come out on top. That's it, and we've got the double header live from Twickenham, both on BT Sport, London Irish against Quinns. Quinns, just because of their experience of the Premiership and the fact that it, London Irish would have loved that to have been an actual home game. That's it, and your old team, Leicester, going up against Bath. A story of inner stories so of Freddie Burns and George Ford having switch clubs go head-to-head -head weekend one. Uh, just because of Leicester's uh, performances in the pre-season games, I'm going to go for Leicester. Brilliant. Should be a fantastic weekend of live sport. And you can catch your highlights at 10.30 on BT Sport 2 on Saturday. To kick off the new season on BT Sport, we invited the man of the moment, Marutoji, into the studio for a chat with us. And Craig, here's what he had to say. So we've had loads of questions in, all for you, Maro. People that want to get to understand and see what goes on. So the first from James Cooper, who's live on Facebook. Maro, have you kept hold of Bill, and Bill being the mascot <laughs> from the British and Irish Lions tour? Yeah, I have, actually. Um, he's very safe at home. He's in my wardrobe at the moment. Um, he's uh, with the rest of my clothes, so he's, uh, he's safely Some protected. Some in there and stuff, from, so he's comfy? Or... <laughs> is, it, is it just on top of your wardrobe? Uh, no, he's, he's actually in it. I've 
you know, it's, it's, there's a bit of room in there, so he's uh, there, comfortable. It's not no real, grass. Benny. It's not, it's not no real. Yeah. He's probably a lot safer at home because on tour they try and sabotage you, right, and make sure that you're losing because yeah. there's fines associated to, yeah, to losing Bill. I'm not even going to lie, it was very stressful. Tougher than the games? Uh, not quite. <laughs> is, it, is it like an um, Olympic torch? Does the same one go round or do you keep that forever? So I, I fortunately get to keep it. So um, Stuart Hogg got to keep his and I've, I've made sure I've got to keep mine as well. So it's, it's nice to have, um, you know, a good little bit of a memorabilia from the tour. Um, but yeah, got to keep it. Very good. OK, we've got another question from Twitter from I'm a Realist. Um, Maritoja, how did the Lions camp differ from an England camp? Um, it, diff it was different due to the very nature of, of what it was. Obviously, with a Lions camp, you're, you're spending time with people from four different nations, whereas England's the only one. Um, so you often get these different kind of, like, you know, obviously dialects and trying to understand people. <laughs> um, I remember when I first rocked up, I was sitting on a table with Welsh guys and Scottish guys. I was like, sugar. I can't understand what these guys are saying. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there a difference? People talk about keeping the Lions heritage of having a social tour, but also um, doing the professional side of things now. Is there a difference there? Was, was there a bit more opportunity to go out and let your hair down? Yeah, um, I, I, the, the Lions it was a, definitely a lot more um, loose <laughs> than, uh, than, than what I was used to, but it was good, you know, we, we, we got to spend some time off the field with each other, you know, it is not, you know, to spend, to go on a Lions tour to New Zealand is, you know, it's quite rare, so all in all, it was a good experience. Just how wild, how wild did it get? Uh, I got Big very nuts. wild after the last test. Really? <laughs> it was uh, all, all controlled up until then, but after that last, yeah, it was, it was, it was Go on, go on, yeah. <laughs> 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 Just save it for after. Got another question from Greg Miller off Facebook. Um, Mara, so what's going through your head when New Zealand performing the hacker? Um, so with the hacker, obviously, it's, 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 you know, they, it means a lot to New Zealand players and, as you know, it's uh, for the All Blacks. It obviously gives them strengths. has has a, lo a whole load of spiritual meanings to that. But for me, obviously, I'm not from New Zealand. Um, I'm from here, and um, so I don't have the same connection they do to it. So for me, I watch it, try and be respectful, but ultimately, it's what happens on the pitch that matters. The hacker essentially is a dancer then which gets them rived up. And they said you're not from here, but your roots and heritage is Nigeria. One thing I've seen, you're a super talented guy, do lots of things, but you can dance as well. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, this isn't a stitch-up. I'm just seeking a bit of advice, because we've seen the celebrations in the changing room where you're up and... That's, that's, yeah. can, you, can you help me? <laughs> so, can, you, can you just stand up and just, just talk me through like, what I need to do? Am I, am I right in thinking you should start with this top off? <laughs> <laughs> so, so how does it go? Uh, no, no, so, oh, am I going to do this? Question, Nick, Nick Larkey from Twitter. Who's the toughest opposition second row in the Prem or Champions Cup? Um, in the Prem, I, put, I, think it's, I think it has to be one of the you know, other England locks. Obviously, I play with Cruiser for both club and country, so I don't have to go up against him. But I'll say Courtney and Joe. They're, they're definitely um, you know, two top-class operators. And on the European level? European level, um, they tend to be a bit bigger in Europe. They, uh, <laughs> they, they tend to be, have a little bit more meat on them. So um, it, it was difficult last year. Um, poof, I don't even know. Didn't even notice them, you see. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah. Do you know I noticed something about you, Mara, watching one of the matches on the touchline last year, how vocal you are on the pitch. Do you realise you're even doing that? 
yeah, I'm the one that's talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but sometimes you're just shouting. Like, so, uh, it's sometimes it's just this raw kind of energy yeah, coming from you. Um, yeah, Funny, because well, Craig talks a lot, but he doesn't yeah. know he's doing it. <laughs> and I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I think it's something I, I actively try and do, you know. I try and, you know, give my team energy, um, you know, first and foremost through my actions, but I think through your voice and through the way you speak to and influence others is another way you can do that. Absolutely. Okay, another question, Facebook. Ashley Shingler, if you could pack down of anyone past or present, who would it be? Ah, good question. Well, it's a bit present. brutal, you've not automatically answered that with Benny <laughs> Kay, just that. You're like, good question. Mm. <laughs> yeah, good question. <laughs> um, past or present? In, in, the, in the row, I assume. Elvis Presley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, growing up, I was I was a big fan of the South African locks, uh, Victor Matfield, Backies Bofa. Uh, you know, I, I really respected what what they did. Um, I think it would be pretty cool. Obviously, completely different eras, but John Eels. Yeah. I think that would be quite quite an interesting pat down with you know the big man in his prime. I yeah. think that would be quite cool. Well, he was another very athletic second row, wasn't he? He was kind of ahead of his time to a certain extent, I suppose. Who's got questions for Maro? Who've you... Oh, you do. Don't fight over it, boys. Just you know, don't fight over him. Uh, what, what's your name, sir? What's your name? Steve. 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 Far away there. How good was it to see Alan Wynne Jones singing your song? <laughs> yeah, it was um, pretty cool. I think he was doing it more in jest than uh, trying to glorify me or anything like that. But yeah, you know, I think the team, our teammates down there, you know, were very, you know, very loving, very caring, and um, you know, I think it showed in our performances. Loving and caring. Rugby hasn't changed, has it? <laughs> Rugby has aged. <laughs> Good question. Uh, next question. Yes. Maro, you're obviously. Uh very established and accomplished traveller all over Europe. You've been marauding around with Saracens. Have you settled on any particular roommate? And why have you chosen? Uh, I normally room with Jamie George on, on away trips, um, mainly because he was the first person that I roomed with when I, when I, when I got into the Saracens team. And uh, we've been, generally the results have gone our way in those, in those, in those games as well. So we try to keep to a winning formula. Uh, who did you room with on the Lions tour, by the way? How did that work? Yeah, so I had a, quite a few roommates. <coughs> I roomed with uh, a few of the second rows, so George Cruz, uh, Alan Wynn, uh, Ian Henderson, um, Tommy Seymour for a couple of days. Uh, yeah, so a, f a few guys. Smelliest? Smelliest. <laughs> no, they all smell like roses. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll go down the road. Another question. Who's got a question? There you go, sir. There you go. Maro, now you've finished your politics degree, what are you going to do in your spare time? Oh, uh, good question. Um, I don't really know. I think um, I'm... I'm uh, not quite. Not quite. Uh, not quite. <laughs> Only God can save that one. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've, I've got a, a bit more free time on my hands. Um, obviously, I'll just use it to focus on the rugby, more analysis. <laughs> Um, can I ask you a quick question about Saracens and how they might play in the season ahead? Because uh, I, I've heard uh, some of the camp saying, you know, we focused so much on defence last year. Maybe we can ease off that a little bit, maybe up attack. Liam Williams there, great broken play, uh, player uh, in broken play. Uh, how do you think he might play it? Um, well, I think um, defence has always been the foundation of, of our game. So, whatever season, whatever game, that's always going to be the foundation. And I think if you've looked at Saracens from three years ago to where we are now, I think we're much more attacking side than we are and obviously we're going to continue to build that side of our game. So it's, you know, we, we, we believe our defence helps attack and when we attack more, obviously we don't defend think, as much. So. I think all teams are trying to move to a more attacking game. If you look at traditionally, yes, you could win a premiership by just having a great defence and stopping everyone else scoring. But the way World Rugby have changed the laws and we've seen the, the laws changing again to make the game faster, who finished top last year? It's the two teams that scored the most tries and, and that's becoming a trend in, in all rugby throughout the world. So, you know, the, the traditional sort of Leicester game is changing to a more attacking game. Saracens, they're trying to play more attacking rugby. Everyone is trying now to score more points, you know, score more tries because that is the way that you're going to win a competition. I've got a quick question, Mara. Um, clearly, Saracens had a really good year last year, winning the European title once again, being able to retain it. But I guess in the manner in which you guys lost to Exeter, emotionally, you'd have been absolutely devastated with that. But having time to reflect on it, 
How do you assess what happened last year? Was it two thumbs up or were you guys still mentally disappointed that you didn't win the Premiership as well? Um, obviously, that, that extra semi-final was like hugely, hugely disappointing, especially in the manner in which we lost. And I think we played our best rugby that game, but um, you know we put ourselves in a position to win the game with a minute to go and we unfortunately messed that up. But I think you can't really pin the whole season down on one game. If you look at the season as a whole, with the Europe, European Championship, um, with our performances throughout the league, I think there's lots of stuff to be positive about. And I think that's a solid foundation of which we can build on this year. Well, I don't know about you, Ben, but Maro is a seriously impressive guy. Has an outstanding series with the Lions. What are your takes on him? Uh, look, he's um, is a global superstar already. He could well, with his age, be you know, the, the the greatest player England have, have produced. You know, probably look at um, Johnny Wilkinson and, and Martin Johnson in in that vein at the moment. But you know, his age profile coming through. If he can stay fit, if he can stay on top of the changes in the laws and 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 every uh, the, the way the game goes, he's got a bit of everything about him. So the thing I like about him is he, he must be a coach's dream because whatever you ask him to go out and do, be that the big tackler or the big ball carrier, he will adapt his game to do so. Very coachable um, and obviously hugely intelligent as well and, and a supreme athlete. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, is he an icon already? Do we think he's an icon already? I think it's too early for that. I think he needs to be around for sort of five years playing at the consistent level he is. And then, you know, we look at the likes of Kieran Reid and, and, and people like that. When you're around and, and, and all the great players, it's consistency, isn't it? Yeah, I completely agree. Icon's probably too early. Um you kind of wonder and perversely just thinking, if he stopped playing rugby today, what would he be remembered for? He'd be remembered as a brilliant athlete that burst onto the scene. And you're right, it's that consistency over a long period of time. But he's six foot six, dreadlocks. He's played out on the Lions tour and pretty much the whole stadium sang his name. He's certainly on his way well, to that icon also, status. He's got that fear factor for the opposition. That's, that's how you tend to tell, because we get carried away. We see all the players. But it's when you go to another place and you hear what they're saying and... You know, the, the first name, probably the, the Kiwis you'd bump into were saying is, oh, is, is Maro Toji going to play? Or, and that's, like you said, it's that stature of people, isn't it? Keeping the theme of Saracens, Mark McCall just a couple of weeks ago had rose this debate about salary cap and said that homegrown players such as Maro shouldn't count towards the cap. And I, I kind of agree. If you've invested so much time into them, then you shouldn't get penalised for them actually reaching their full potential. In saying that, Owen Farrell signed a five-year deal. So before any of that argument really went anyway, they've locked him up. You, I mean, they must be absolutely thrilled with that. 100% they had to. I mean, that was he, he would have been one of those players that would be sought after. I'm sure he's had huge offers from France. But the, the thing about a club like Saracens and, and Leicester in my day used to have it, you, it there are, if you can make it where the player really wants to be there, it is worth a certain amount of money. Yeah. So... You know, I know that so I, could, I could have earned more money if I'd gone to other clubs, but I wanted to win uh, premierships. I wanted to win European Cups. And I also was happy in that environment. And obviously the Saracens boys are extremely happy in that environment. But what, what's he be worth? A lot more than Saracens will be paying him over the next five years. He could go to France and easily be 750 to a million. Maybe, you know, maybe you'd be looking at a million um, euros over there for him when you compare him to the likes of, of Dan Carter and, and what he can do in this moment in any team, particularly that ability to stick to a game plan and manage the game. Yeah, that he, he is the difference between you making your final and not, and not making your final. It's quite interesting. When you look at the Premiership, you get a player like Owen Farrell signed a five-year deal. That just breeds confidence to every academy player that they've got that solidity and that platform knowing he's going to be around. It also sends a great precedence and example to everyone else. Well, if he's signed it, I'll sign. You kind of compare and contrast to what happened at Gloucester, homegrown talent in Johnny May who said... Actually, I'm not going to be able to achieve everything that you've just spoken about you wanted to achieve at Leicester. And he's gone to a club where he feels he has that. That must dent the hopes of some of the academy guys. I guess the only antidote to that is get on the pitch and prove Johnny's decision to be wrong. Yeah, but you know that, that's always been, in, been the case. And we've had the salary cap for years. And you know, you think back to when Saracens didn't have that sort of culture. And, and they were the team that brought it, you know, went and stole the best players off of, the, of teams that had developed them. So... 
they can't really have it the other way now that oh well it's there's no point it's developing the players Northampton a few years ago you remember yep. they they actually they, they had a really strong 15 yep. but it, it was the year after all their players like Courtney Laws had developed from an academy player who you know let's throw numbers out the air might have been on 30 grand at the time and suddenly he'd be wanting 150 grand so if you've got to find 120 grand from somewhere you've then got to let other players go yeah. and it weakens your, your squad shrinks then to to keep the players that that you that you've developed and yep. brought through and that's why the academy system at clubs is, is really important you can't because of the salary cap you can't just go and steal players you have to have that pathway coming through every year of three or four players that are good enough to play first team rugby and that allows you to lose some of the maybe the club players to to finance that Right, we're delighted to be joined by one of the stars of the women's game, fresh from a Rugby World Cup campaign that saw the Red Roses reach the final, watched by a TV audience of nearly three million people. England scrum half Natasha Hunt is on the phone to chat about this potential watershed moment of the women's game. Hi, Mo, how are you? Hey, yeah, really good, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, let's go back to Saturday night. I was there at the Kingspan. It was an absolutely brilliant game. What was it like to play in? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like the when we walked out for the anthem, when even before that, when we walked out for the warm up, um, the crowd was absolutely incredible, and we just got cheered off the pitch and then cheered back into the dugout. Um, I've never been stood in an anthem quite like it with so many people singing back at us. Um, it was genuinely really quite emotional, and then obviously to get the start that we had was amazing. Um, gutted absolutely devastated with the result like still it's really quite raw for me um but it was just unbelievable to be a part of such a spectacle for women's rugby how's the relationship with the the new zealand players because there's a there's a fierce rivalry there isn't there i mean it it, it does seem at the moment in, in the women's game that you two teams are out on their own a little bit and and you, know, you look at the the previous results it, it tends to be new zealand or england it, what's it like on the field yeah, it's, it is just it's very fierce. I think to get to that level and to be as good as both of those teams are, you have to have fiercely competitive people all over the pitch. Um, I'm definitely one of them, and I know a few others. Um, but the girls themselves are really sound. Like they're, they're embedded with their rugby culture, which is just phenomenal. It is across any New Zealander that you meet, really. Um, and off the pitch, everyone's proper sound. Like all the girls are, are really quite really quality and really nice girls to chat to. So. Off the pitch is absolutely fine, but on the pitch there's definitely that little bit of a spark, I think, from both teams. Mo, I'm just going to just stop you just a second. I mean, clearly they're competitors on the pitch, but I was hearing tales from back in 2010 when the Black Ferns won the World Cup that they were, like, waving their medals in some of uh, the Red Roses' faces. So you're saying they're sound, but that doesn't sound like the kind of thing someone who's sound would actually do, if you know what I mean. So there is that bitter rivalry and the fact that you guys are sharing the same hotel. So there must have been a little bit of niggle after the game. Yeah, I think um, back in 2010, I wasn't involved in that campaign and I had heard about it, but a lot of those girls that were involved in that incident um, have actually retired now. So I think that has definitely changed. And loads of the girls, the, the game's moved on and loads of us have crossed over into, in sevens and 15. So we know people a lot, like a lot of the backs have played against them on the sevens pitch and vice versa. So we're in the same hotel whenever we go away for sevens. Um, and I think that's kind of changed the mentality a okay. little bit because you kind of have to get on. But like you said, it was um, it was a difficult pill to swallow when we were all getting back into the hotel that night and all our friends and family were tuning at the door and then all of a sudden the Kiwis walk in with their medals around their necks and it was, it was quite a difficult one to look at, I'm not going to lie to you. Well, if we move away from that disappointment now and, and try and shelve it, just... You mentioned what what an amazing atmosphere it was, but you know the, the huge TV audience that I mentioned before. Where do you think? Where's the next stage for women's rugby now? Because the last sort of eighteen months has been, has been a huge step leap forward in, in terms of exposure. I'm not talking about the actual standard of, of the of the play on the field, but now it's it, people are starting to take notice. Where 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 would you like to see the game go next? Yeah, absolutely. Like the last, like you say, eighteen months is seen a massive shift in it, and. We spoke about it after the last World Cup that we wanted to get more viewers, we wanted it to be more accessible to people and I think it hasn't really become that yet. So the World Cup it was really accessible. We were on ITV prime time Saturday night. You can't have you couldn't have asked for anything better than that. But 
in terms of our domestic leagues and everything like that, it, it's still really quite grassroots. Um, so for me, definitely, it would be getting more sponsorship into the game, um, making sure that it's either accessible on television or for people to come and watch, and it's actually being like broadcast and people actually know what's going on because I think that's something that we've struggled with in the women's game for quite a while now. There's a new premiership starting, isn't there? I know sort of after 2003... All the Premiership uh, men's teams found there was a big upsurge in, in terms of attendances and things. Do you think that the, the combination of the two factors, the, the very successful World Cup and the new league uh, starting, is that going to make a big difference? I really hope so. Yeah, I really hope so. And obviously Tyrrell's coming on board and actually getting a decent sponsorship into it. The RFU um, are investing loads of money into the domestic game. So loads of um, loads of that money is going into that instead of into obviously the contracts and stuff. And I just really hope that we can get that shift in terms of people buying into it, wanting to get involved, wanting to back the women's game, and then equally potentially seeing some maybe on television in, in the future. See, I was there after the game and I was listening to Katie McLean and she spoke really eloquently and it was quite obvious how passionate she is about the game. And she almost sounded more disappointed about where the women's game is now more than actually losing the World Cup final. And her frustration, exactly what you've just said there, is after last World Cup where you guys won, you're desperately wanting that to be an, an uptake and people getting involved in the game, the way the women's game's been seen. It hasn't happened. You've had your contracts and that's obviously helped with you guys. You've had an outstanding season, unbeaten up until the final winner, Grand Slam, finalists in the World Cup. But what needs to happen now to make a difference so that we're not having this conversation in four years' time about let's use this as a platform? Because that seems to be the narrative which we've used over the last eight to 12 years. Yeah, absolutely. I think, just like I've said, it would be people getting behind it and actually getting involved and sponsoring the game because if not, we don't have the money to do it ourselves. So does it all come down to money then, do you think? Is that the starting point for it? I think either it has to be a catalyst in terms of the money that's being put into the game or the um, accessibility in terms of whether it's on television or anything like that because I think one comes with the other and when you get that, it's then going to obviously just boost it in terms of people wanting to come and watch, people wanting to get involved in the game, more people will want to get into the sponsorship, etc. And I'm not sure which one comes first, like chicken and egg, whether you need the money to then get the... TV rights and getting people into the ground and actually paying to come and watch people play or whether it comes the other way around and you get that accessibility, people see it, then people want to get involved and, and come and watch us play and, and see what we're about. Um, and I genuinely don't know which way, which way it needs to come first, but it definitely needs to be one or the other, I think. Well, we'll see how things go during the next season with the Premiership. And uh, good luck to you, Natasha. Thanks for coming on. And uh, let's hope that next time we speak, uh, we'll be talking about how much things have improved since uh, this World Cup. So thanks very much. Cheers, Mo. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Okay, so one of the really interesting developments over the last couple of days, Hugo, has been this saliva test that is now being developed um, We're in conjunction with the RFU and uh, there's a scientist that has led the way on this. Um, I know that with my role on, on the Board of Trustees with Restart Rugby and the involvement with the RPA that this has been coming for a while. We heard that he had, that the scientist had managed to narrow down that actually when you suffer trauma, the chemical makeup of your saliva changes. And he thought that he could narrow it down to the specific changes in the chemical structure when you'd had a concussion, which means you can automatically diagnose someone's had a concussion with a simple saliva test on the side of the pitch. Now, over the last sort of couple of years, three years, everyone in rugby has been trying to you know, make this as safe as possible, make the sport as safe as possible in terms of concussion and, and the worry of what, what might happen in the future if we don't. Uh, we've had different views on it in the past in that, you know, my thoughts with the HIA was it was never going to be perfect. And I, I still think this new system's not going to be perfect because there will be times that someone has a concussion that it gets missed by everyone, including the player themselves, and they don't have the saliva test. But surely this now stops the sort of argument we were having that you were saying, well, HIA should, you know, it's a disgrace that they haven't sort of been stuck to. And I was saying, but it's all about trying to make things better and we can't shout at the doctors if they get it wrong. This surely makes it a lot better for us. 
And so let's focus on the process of it. So how long does it take to actually take the sample to be able to analyse it and determine whether that player is safe to go back on or has to be removed? I, I think, and, and uh, uh, this will surprise you, I'm not medically trained um, <laughs> as much as I'd like to be. Um, but I think from what we were told, it is fairly instant. I think you get an oh, wow. instantaneous change in your saliva content. Um, and then it becomes how long does the test take and and the the parameters i mean it's it's very um you know it's potentially very confusing but you then have to compare it against something else so there are talks in this trial it's only a trial at the moment yep. so it's not going to affect players coming on and off this year but they're gathering the information hopefully to do it next year um you know you will then have to compare it with someone who hasn't had a trauma to be able to see because all sorts of things can affect what, what your saliva is like. It, it can be done within the, the time frame of an HIA, which okay. this season has changed anyway to a mandatory 10 minutes yeah. so that they can do the full suite of, uh, of questioning. But I'm thinking, I, I, I'm pretty sure that this test is quicker than going through the, all the questions and the whole uh, protocol that they have to do for an HIA at the moment. Yeah, it's important for people to realise and acknowledge the fact it's a trial. But either way, whether it works or not, it's great to see Prem Rugby, the RPA, restart rugby, actually invest in time and resource into trying to make the game safe. We absolutely love it, but we do also want to make sure that players' welfare is always paramount. OK, um, so there's been some huge changes in the off-season to, uh, to world rugby. I think the biggest story has actually got to be in the Pro 12, or the Pro 12 become Pro 14, just in short, because, of course, if you listen to this and tune to BT Sport, you will know about these things. But essentially, it's two conferences. We've got two brand-new teams, both coming from South Africa. There's going to be a couple of extra derby games. That's kind of, that's kind of the format of it. Sounds a little bit complicated, but I don't think it is. Um, similar system to what we see in Super Rugby at the conferences. But you... Firmly believe this could lead to something potentially I, a bit more global. I think Sanzar, who are the body that look after Australia, South Africa, Argentina, and New Zealand, will be panicking about this because I know that in the past, Premiership rugby teams as a whole have spoken to the South African. Remember when the whole European row erupted and they didn't know whether there was going to be a European competition? Well, there was discussions that the French and the South Africans and the Premiership teams might get together and form yeah. their own uh, competition. I know that South Africa aren't happy with the way Super Rugby is organised at the moment because they have all that leaping across time zones and it's very, very difficult. It's very tough on the players. They also feel that they are commercially very viable and they give everything, but they don't actually get much of a say in, in, in how it's run. So two teams on the same time zone playing up in Europe where we know that the because the world cup we know that commercially it's it's better in yep. france and, and and england than anywhere else in the world must be a worry to sanzar because if it's a success then a lot of the south african teams will be saying well why are we playing with these guys why don't we play with europe yep. will these two teams eventually if they win the pro 12 or pro 14 as it is now will they then qualify for the european champions cup and become the Champions Cup. So it could affect the global game because if that was to happen, it would have a dent on New Zealand, South Africa, Argentina. It would have, a, I presume, a dent on their performance as a national team. Would it, it in the terms of we're trying to globalise the game and make it reach as far as possible, by pooling all the resources into one area, that, that spine through England, France and South Africa, does that stop that globalisation and is it a threat to the game? Thanks for listening this week. We're back next week with Northampton star Ben Foden in our studio as our special guest. Remember, the pod will be out every Thursday morning this season, so make sure you subscribe and get it delivered straight to your device. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. But that's not all. We'll be live on Facebook and Twitter every Wednesday from 8pm for the entire season. Also, watch out for Rugby Tonight on tour as we visit rugby clubs across the land again new this season. And as for live match coverage, well, 
We're going to be busier than ever here at BT Sport. The season kicks off for us Friday with Gloucester against Exeter from 7pm. And then on Saturday, we're at Twickenham for the London doubleheader with Saracens against Northampton. And then London Irish versus Quinns back-to-back from 1.30. The weekend's then rounded off with Leicester Tigers against Bath Sunday at 2.30. And you can watch all the games live on BT Sport 1 in HD and 4K UHD. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.